0: This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host Giri. I'm joined by my co-host Ajit after a long, long, long time. Hello Ajit. How are you doing?
1: Hi Giri. I'm doing good. It's been a a sobering couple of days or a sobering 24 to 48 hour period, Mm -hmm. given uh, some certain interesting measures implemented by the government here.
0: Yeah, that's true. We are back in a hard lockdown again for the next four weeks, four to five weeks.
1: So it puts a dampener on plans.
0: Mm, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate situation again that we are now threatened by a new variant, colloquially known as uh, a film actor's name, you know, by the film actor's name, but we'll call it Omicron. Indeed.
1: No, I wonder how they got two syllables mixed up, but uh, that's another discussion for another podcast, I'm sure. Go on.
0: No, that's, that's about it. I think at least I would say the silver lining is we have some, we have quite a lot of cricket coming up. The Ashes are already in progress and we have India touring South Africa and the Boxing Day Test match uh, will start very soon, right? So it's it's a week away from now. So at least there is some something to look forward to in these gloomy times, quite literally actually.
1: Well, look, always if you're a Test match fan, this is the bumper period of the year, isn't it? When the Southern Hemisphere starts its cricket, you can expect that there's always some cricket also in uh, South Asian uh, conditions because of the heat they can't play in summer. So there'll be hopefully a lot of cricket that we can look forward to. But let's start with the India-South Africa test series and uh, the first test which will be held in Centurion starting in 26th. I would like to know what are your thoughts on the 11 before we visit some of the more spicier uh, topics that are going on in Indian cricket. I think yeah. we can here.
0: Yeah, we'll keep this very low key. I'm not going to get into any controversy
1: there. You mean no
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting team selection um, debate, I would say. A couple of people vying for the sport. Uh, and one of them might actually have to lose out one of the senior pros could lose out potentially to a newcomer um so on on present form at least so we have some some people who are missing out due to injuries right so we have jadeja missing out akshar patel also missing out shubman gill is going to miss out i think he has an injury as well that's the other name of what and of course the big name rohit sharma also out due to an injury hamstring apparently but apart from that i think we have new guys like shreyas Iyer who is doing really well we have some people who are actually in good form coming back to the squad like Mayank, Mayank Agarwal. I think he had a very good um, series against uh, New Zealand with that 150 at Mumbai, so he's in good good nick. And KL Rahul will be joined by uh, you know he will join his uh, Karnataka teammate. I'm sure both of us will be happy with that. You know, seeing couple of Karnataka guys opening the, uh, the you know the batting batting order for India. And then we have some some of the more experienced names like Pujara kohli virat kohli yeah that's another topic mm. Mm. but i think this the the main debate will be who will be the the middle order uh, batsman right so you have rahane ayer vihari three guys vying for two spots in my opinion mm-hmm. i'm going to go with um, rahane and ayer i'm going to leave out vihari although vihari is currently playing uh, in south africa for india eh? so he might be more acclimatized but mm yeah this is a this is a, something uh, i'm very curious about and then come the f- bowlers of course apart from rishabh pant so you have three seamers and probably one spinner i think four bowlers i'm not sure i mean kohli could even play five bowlers i don't know so three seamers and a spinner so what do you think
1: well let's see um... So there are three discussion points for me. One, what would be the makeup of the middle order? That's one question. Second question, uh, whether it would be four or five bowlers that India would go with. And the third question is, what would be the opening pair? The last one is the easiest of the three. So I think given that Rohit Sharma and uh, uh, Shubman Gill have, uh, have been injured and they can't play, it becomes clear Mayank will retain his spot. And KL Rahul, who would fit anywhere in the top four probably, will open. Right? Right. So as you say, it might bring a tear or two to the eyes of uh, many uh, Karnataka and Kanadiga. And Look, there is a lot of talk about uh, town, but really I, no, it would make no sense to drop somebody like Pujara. No. And then goal is fixed at four, you're right. Then comes the fun part. Ayer has been on a hot streak. He's hit 150 in his debut test. It was at home. And Vihari has been recalled into the squad, almost like you know uh, they have a horses for courses sort of a setup where uh, somebody like vihari taking the place in the 11 because he did so well last time india played outside uh, india in a test right you remember in his last test him and ashwin blocked out um, yep. probably better CG. part of the 30 to 40 over mm-hmm. spell where precisely where that that's what led to india winning the series is my opinion in this case it remains to be seen how it goes my my personal opinion is that Ayer uh, would retain his place ahead of uh, vihari and then Pant would come back into the squad. Uh, Pant is the chosen keeper for India outside uh, outside uh, India when they play Tests. Mm-hmm. And because Kohli has this penchant for going with five bowlers, that would mean maybe one bowler would be sort of an all-rounder. Jadeja has been ruled out. Aksar is not playing. Aksar would probably not play in any case in conditions like South Africa. But Jadeja was your man who would give you that uh, balance, right? But now Ashwin is still available. And Ashwin bats well outside because the ball whenever it comes onto the bat he's more of a stroke maker there so Ashwin would be there Ashwin would probably bat at uh, six for me it's sort of a controversial call I'll be frank with you probably they're being very tempted to include Vihari as well if they want to go with a slightly conservative approach but a more aggressive approach would be to have Ashwin bat at six then the number seven spot is the very interesting one so for me Here is where an all-rounder could be included, a fast-bowling all-rounder. So we have Thakur coming back into the squad. Again, horses for courses. He's done really well outside for India. When they played in England, he did really well. And he, in fact, won a game uh, along with uh, Jadeja, right, in that uh, batting spell in the afternoon. Brilliant sunshine. So I would say I see Thakur taking his place at number 7. Number 8, again, here, here is where I think I see some very interesting stuff because... You would go with either the reliability and the experience of Ishant or the promise that somebody like Mohammed Siraj brings into the 11th, right? So that means it could be one of Ishant or Siraj. Shami and Bumrah take their place for me. So it will be, the attack will be Bumrah, Shami. Let's just say Siraj for now. Thakur and Ashwin. And the top order would be Rahul, Mayang, Pujara. Middle order would be Kohli, Ayer, and Panth. This is my 11 for India, for the Centurion game. Mm. So that means Vihari and Rahane both sit out. If India would go for a slightly conservative approach, Thakur would be replaced by a full batsman, and my full batsman would be Vihari, ahead of Rahane.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Also, it's it's a good chance to see how the new India management responds. By new India management, I clearly refer to the -the behind-the-scenes person, Mr. Rahul Dravid. How much influence he has and what sort of a thought process he brings to the up table uh, would he go for a little bit of uh, caution or would he go for a slightly more aggressive approach that india have always gone mm. with in the recent times
0: i think traditionally traditionally the goteng pitches uh, centurion mm. like those are seam friendly pitches and you typically don't have high um, scores match in general so you have 250 to 300 scores. I mean, if, if it exceeds that, I would be amazed. Um, so, in in that case, I don't know if you need so many bowlers in your squad because you typically may not end up bowling all the 90 overs if you are good enough, of course. And if the pitch conditions, you know, they are they are really green pitches like they have been traditionally. So it's going to be an interesting challenge for India to play at such an high altitude. I think it's 10,000 feet above sea level, something like that. So it's it's really uh, From the sea level, you know, they played at Mumbai, which was at sea level and now they have to go so much, so many feet above sea level. I'm still thinking that it will, India will go with four specialist bowlers. One of them will be a spinner. Yeah. But they have two more tests. Yeah.
1: But who would be your uh, batter then? Who would be your additional batter?
0: So I'm going to play, uh, I think Ashwin will be your all-rounder. So he will play until, uh, so he will play at number 8. Right. And then 9, 10, 11 will be your bowlers. All right. And then the top four will be the same, like yours. Mm-hmm. Rahane will come in at four. And Iyer will be at six. So, I think there is a place for Rahane, Rahane as well as Iyer. Yeah.
1: Five and six. Okay. All right. So, no Vihari.
0: No, I think he will have to carry the
1: drinks. Well, interesting. And your bowlers would be Ishant, uh, Bumrah and uh, Shami rather than Siraj?
0: Yeah, I would uh, leave out Siraj. He will come back in the second match. Okay.
1: I think you are more thinking like Dravid. I might still be thinking like Mr. Shastri. Uh, let's see let's see if that comes to pass, because I see this India being more aggressive and more uh, having this belief in themselves, right? That the, even the tail enders would be able to add that additional 10 runs each, which would probably make up for a full batter, right? As you say, look, when I look at the team stats, best bowling is seven for 29, best bowling in a match, 13 wickets, and they're all fast bowlers, absolutely right? And uh, very few draws, Right. Out of 26 matches, there have been only three draws. And the highest run chase achieved is 251. Average opening stand is 28. Average inning score is about 280, 280 to 310 rather than anything more. This is the first innings I'm talking of. But there have been teams that have actually made up even as much as 600 there. Right? So if you bat first and bat big, if you get through that tricky period on the first two days, let's say, and the rest of the day, the ball will come beautifully onto the bat. Right? So you can actually go ahead and still make a big score there. So all of this remain. So when you look at all that, I think they might go with the cushion of one extra batter. You might be right. But I just think this Indian team plays in the mold of its captain in a very aggressive way. And they would back themselves to score that additional runs and have five bowlers. With maybe potentially two all-rounders. Ashwin is definitely one of your all-rounders. But uh, Thakur, Shardul Thakur might be the other all rounder right so let's see which one of us or if either one of us comes out correct in when the team is announced on 26th so let's see that but all in all very excited to see the series right so this is a good chance for this generationally excellent indian team to go ahead and win a series in south africa yeah let's not get ahead of ourselves you have to begin somewhere
0: yeah i know but um, it can be a whole different kettle uh, kettle of fish you know playing south africa in South Africa, is it's, it's not so easy as it seems. So, we shall see, I would say.
1: I expect, you know, this Indian team, uh, I expect it will be a result-oriented series. If all three tests go through without any issues from the ongoing, whatever called uh, COVID uh, uh, attack that we currently face. Yeah. We might see three results out of three and maybe, as you say, India still has a chance to come back.
0: Maybe India has a chance, you know, because there won't be any crowds in the first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, in centurion so there won't be any spectators right so they the, the stadium will lack the atmosphere oh. it would have normally you know with with when south africa is playing so all right <laughs> mm-hmm. or even for that matter i think there are also indian supporters over there exactly
1: mm-hmm. i was about to point out it's not too far from a very very much uh, indian descent population in that part of the world but okay uh, in any case let's see how uh, it pans out but before we go away your prediction for the series, Kiri?
0: I think it's going to be tough. I'm going to say 1-1 with a draw in between. I know chances of a draw are very less, but I'm still going to go
1: 1-1. I'm going to put my neck out. 2-1 to India.
0: Well, let's hope for that.
1: All right. Now, um, I think we should quickly have a chat about the other test that finished today, the second Ashes test. Did you follow the test? What are your thoughts on it?
0: I didn't follow all the all the cricket. I did watch some uh, you know, some overs here and there. Um, so a couple of sessions here bet- you know, in between. It's at least, um, in terms of scheduling, I think it's a better one. Day and night test matches in Australia, because then we can at least watch some of the cricket that's played. At least the, what's it called? The, the twilight session and the one before it. And uh, Funnily enough, you know, these day and night test matches, they have a break at 5.30 in the in the evening and they call it dinner. So who who has dinner so early anyway? That's another discussion. It was a it was a nice match actually. It, it started out, in my opinion, as um, very much in favor of Australia, having seen Australia bat so well. I think they scored in excess of 400 runs, right? And then England uh, caved in, you know, meekly, just just like they did in Brisbane um, in the first innings. And Australia posed a mammoth target in front of England to chase. England were gone when they lost Joe Root's wicket at the end of the fourth day's play. I thought they were done. But England somehow managed to bat out almost through the whole day on the fifth day. I think they lasted until the evening session, a few minutes into the evening session. So there was only about 20 odd hours remaining. It's a wonderful fight, I have to say. But then again, if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, England are prob- becoming more and more clueless uh, with uh, the series progressing, now it's 2 0. I mean, for me, it's a very difficult uh, route for them to come back into the sashes. I think they're staring down the barrel. It will be 4 0 or worst case 5 0 if they don't uh, play like they normally did, you know, like they did in a couple of years ago. Their batting is, seems to be a problem at the top of the order. The opening does not seem to have settled down with ha- Hamid and uh, Rory Burns. You know, they're, they're, the intent shown by them. I think they're still lacking, and Joe Root himself cannot carry the weight of on his shoulders. I think he's, he's uh, under a lot of stress, and he's probably also injured <laughs> uh, after such incidents, right? So, end of the day, yesterday he had a knock of that delivery by uh, Mitch, uh, Mitchell Stark. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be fit enough to play the next Test match at MCG. To be honest, so I hope he is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a sad story if you're an English fan, but. Um, it was very good test cricket, though, until the last day of uh, the test match. So, I liked it. Jai Richardson, I think he made his um, debut, right? So, he, he replaced, uh, was was he re- was he replacing Josh Hazelwood, Yeah.
1: He was not debuting. No? But uh, it was his first test in two years. He, it, it was his third test overall. Okay. Nacer was debuting.
0: Yeah, Ash's debut anyway, right? Jai Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. So, he did pick up a fifer in the second innings. And he was instrumental in uh, breaking... Uh, uh, those English partnerships, especially I think the one between Butler and uh, Chris Works. I think that was a very good partnership. Butler, <laughs> he played on innings almost like Pujara. I was amazed. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the whole match or only all, also in bits and pieces?
1: Except for the first sessions, I was able to catch most of the day's play. Um, and uh, well, you know, it's quite early here, right? So as as you said, England, again, came up really short in the first uh, innings. So first of all, they bowled really well to make sure Australia couldn't just take off. But then Australia were just consistently good, right? You see a lot of big scores right at the top. You have Warner 95 and then Marner sitting 100 finally. You know, it's very rare that Warner makes two 90s. You know, in one series, apparently it's never happened in his career because he has only one other 90 score in his entire career outside of the series. He's made it twice in this series, Right. Stephen Smith again missing out on 100, but then a bit of sting in the tail with Carey, Stark, and Nacer all contributing. What it meant is, what started slow on the first day, they hardly scored 220 runs, but they were able to capitalize on the second day, as goes the oldest test maxim, right? If you stay, the runs will come. They made it true, and 473 was a very, very good total on that pitch, given most day-night tests do not go into the fifth day, and you know probably a 250 or 280 is a very competitive first-inning score. 200 more is already a winning total, right there. So England had to come back and make a proper push. They had all of these big names, Anderson and Broad came back, but between them, even though they bowled a hefty 55 overs, they were hardly able to take, uh, you know, three wickets. That's that's probably a bit less. Vokes, Ollie Robinson, the other two uh, members of the quartet, right? They didn't have a spinner, remember? They really also didn't make much of a dent. So between them, the Seamers took only five wickets. And then uh, Stokes, who's the all rounder, took three. And Joe Root took the other wicket to fall. Joro did a lot of bowling, it must be said, this test. I think he's probably ruining the decision of not playing a full spinner, even if it were to be somebody like Tom Bess, right? Because spin proved to be very useful for England in both the innings. In the second innings, him and uh, Milan took wickets, right? And then, look, when you are getting a start, David Malan making 80, Joe Root making 60. Again, not converting it is a big sin. Stokes may have gotten to 34, but I think he did not accelerate in a good time. By the time he hit those other 10, 12 runs, it was too late and they were already 8 down, 9 down, right? For Stokes. So, except for Vokes who made a few runs, the middle order really did not contribute to the lower middle order. Therefore, 236 is more or less a par score. But when the opposition has made 250 more, you're in trouble. It's just, uh, again, one of those things that they didn't uh, look to enforce the follow-on. They batted through, and they made the other 230 runs to make the game safe for themselves. What was the real deciding factor was Mitchell Stark, who now was able to stand up and again be the attack leader. And look, when Cummins is playing, no doubt he's the attack leader, both theoretically and literally, right? But Mitchell Stark again took up the mantle, took four wickets in the first innings with a swing, and he was very well supported by Lyon in both the innings, who took three wickets in the first and two in the second. And Cameron Green took the other two wickets, like, you know, contributed majorly with wickets. Nasser took a wicket with his second ball on debut. That was well done to him. And once, you know, you put those runs, all you had to do is spend another 30, 40, 50 hours, And Australia did that. They got the score. There was a lot of talk about, did they declare too late or something? And the wickets that uh, Joe Root got and Malan got were all people trying to hit out and got out right? Once you cross a total of 180 or so, you know you're safe. Once you cross a lead of about 400, you know you're safe. That Then you're just hitting out. Right. That's what Australia did again. They gave them 468 as a target. The England, well, again, 80 for 4, 82 for 4 on the fourth uh, day's end of play, it was already writing on the wall, right? The only chance they had was if Root could play through to day 5 and between him and Stokes, again, play out a couple of sessions. Unfortunately for them, Root who had apparently had a horrific injury in the morning a real scare to be frank with you who goes to the nets without wearing a guard it's it's it's, it's not a most clever thing to do apparently he went down to take some uh, throwdowns he went there without a guard and one of those balls misbehaved and he it himself into a fairly uh, delicate part of his body uh, well it's good to hear he has had some kids. you know we don't know what that means those hits to the those parts of his body must be said because Mitchell Stark hit him again before the end of the day. This time, luckily, he was wearing a guard. But I think it sort of had some impact on how things were going. And as a result, Joe Root actually got out end of fourth day. And that meant England almost had no chance of saving. From that point on, it's a great thing that they were even able to make Australia come and play the whole day almost, right? They were all out in the almost the last hour of play, must be said. Then that's really well done. Again. Ollie Pope, bit of a letdown. Ben Stokes, whom you expected to battle on the last day, couldn't continue. He did enough in the first innings. He took some wickets. But he seemed to be carrying an injury, by the way. He seemed to be a little bit out of sorts. Right? So this puts a lot of pressure on England. As you said, I cannot see them coming back in the series. Uh, I must eat a big slice of uh, humble pie because before the series, I had predicted a 2-1 victory to England. There is no way that's going to happen anymore because Australia have already won two tests. I dare say if England can avoid a 5-0 whitewash, they've done well. I mean, provided the series goes through and not have any breaks for other reasons. I really can't see them avoiding a, a 4-0 or a 5-0 result. I agree with you
0: there. <laughs> Even though they're in Australia, they can't escape the
1: eternal winter. Oh, they cannot. Indeed. No, it, it doesn't bode well for this English team because before the series, Joe Root had actually said this series might actually define his test career as a captain.
0: Yeah, he might step down, I think, right? So, if he loses this, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, I think. And he's not able to lead effectively, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, He's a very nice guy, I think. He's a really nice guy. Hmm. He's a good guy, but I don't think he's a good enough captain. And the supporting staff that is around him, I think they have a different philosophy, right? So, why not bring back Owen Morgan <laughs> into the test squad?
1: You might think, you might even say it jokingly, but you need somebody with that kind of steel, right? Exactly, yeah. Somebody who's... Pretty ruthless. Look at what, what Owen Morgan was able to achieve uh, with uh, the one-day squad in about 18 months. It will not happen overnight. Mm. Right? Today, England mm. white ball team is a really feared team no matter which format they play. And exactly. this England team is good at home, which they expect them to be right? in helpful conditions. But they're not as threatening when they're traveling. They won a series in uh, Sri Lanka. You know, that's a very rare thing to do in Sri Lanka, beating Sri Lanka. But this is not good enough anymore, right? They only began competing in the fourth innings of the second test. That's like fourth innings into the tour, a series test tour. Yeah. You have to begin by putting up a bit of a bit of a wall earlier on. This is too late. The defense is too late, right? Mm. The series is yeah. more or less gone. But let's see if, you know, they can still spring surprise. The eternal, uh, you know, the optimist in me says, come uh, MCG, they may pull up uh, something out of the bag, a rabbit or a hare or whatever. And we'll see if that's going to happen. Pretty much the writing is on the wall. You might be Right. Moving on, let's take a look at uh, the T20I series that happened between uh, Pakistan and West Indies. And in this case, West Indies' team was pretty much continually decimated by COVID. And they lost some of their uh, first-choice players even before the first match began. Well, before the third match began, there was even talks whether the tour would itself be scrapped. It was done, but after the three-match series was completed. The ODI series is now pushed to June 2022. It was three fairly well-competed games, but still the Pakistani top order was way too strong with uh, Mohammed Rizwan making very good contributions. And I think he's grown into a really all-star player for Pakistan and really a T20 great. There is no other way to describe Mohammed Rizwan the way he's batting for Pakistan currently in T20s, right? With Shaheen Shafridi always being incisive, almost like Stark getting wickets in the very first or the second over. West Indian team really competed well. I think Nicholas Puran may be a bit disappointed with the way he batted, except for the last T20, he didn't really do much in the first two. Darren Bravo should have played from the first one, but he only got a chance in the third one, and they backed youngsters in the story. This entire tour can be called as a learning tour for West Indies. They lost the series 3-0. And not a lot of surprises there if you have been you know, following cricket and how it's been going on with Pakistan and how they've been competing in the t 20 as Now, moving on, I think we should take on some of the more juicy topics, Giri. We should uh, maybe now bring the uh, bear or the dada that's in the corner of the room to the middle. What are your thoughts on Virat Kohli versus Ganguly's spat that's currently plaguing, for the lack of a better word, Indian cricket?
0: Is it a big misunderstanding, <laughs> if I can say so? So, I don't know what was communicated between Ganguly and Virat Kohli. That is up for debate. Each side has taken a different stand on the whole topic. Right. So Ganguly is saying, uh, Virat Kohli was asked to continue as an, as the ODI, white ball captain, as BCCI would not like to have several captains across formats. And now Virat Kohli openly admitting in the uh, press conference, just before the South Africa series, that there was no such communication between uh, Ganguly and uh, Virat Kohli. So he's, I don't know, he's up against Dada, quite literally. This is purely... A battle of muscles. So who ha- who has the biggest muzzle is going to win this, right? So Virat Kohli has had a penchant for playing the power game with the powers that be, right? So we had one coach famously replaced hmm. already like two, three years ago, 2017. And now this is, this is um, it's quite a difficult thing, I think, for him to be going through. I don't know w- what he's trying to do. Who is right, who is not right, doesn't matter you should not wash your dirty linen in public. So you have to keep it behind closed doors, resolve the issue there, and then, you know, go out to play on the cricket ground, which is what he should be doing. And I guess Ganguly has now taken sort of a moral high ground and then said, you know, the BCCI will deal with it internally and no more public statements will be made. I don't know if that will stop Virat Kohli from making more public statements, but uh, it remains to be seen. But it is a difficult battle that he's trying to win there. So. It's not making many friends.
1: Look, if I were to talk without sitting on this fence, I would say Ganguly has been a master at manipulating opinions and especially the media and social media opinions. So he did this when he was uh, ousted as the captain, when Gretchapel was the coach. He made sure everybody targeted the coach rather than what needed to be done at that point in time for the Indian cricket team. He made himself a victim and thereby... Probably some of the credit that needed to have gone to those people making those decisions was completely taken away. Again, here, he's taken a moral high ground very early on. Maybe there was something communicated in hints, which for one reason or the other was either not picked up or was particularly ignored or particularly, you know, it went through one ear and out the other of the Indian captain. In that case, Ganguly is again playing the same game where he's sitting uh, at a moral high ground on purpose. At the end, he's the president, right? Those that believe about uh, how a particular team is run, there's always only one boss of a particular team, it's the captain. Everybody else is actually behind the scene. They're all administrators who support him. If I were to not uh, mince words, somebody like Juan said the only coach he needs, Shane Juan, the only coach he needs is the one that takes the players to and from the ground. There is no other place for, even for a coach, he said. So, but in this case, I think uh, this has gone on too long. And as you say, it presents a very ugly picture for those looking on from the sidelines or from from below the stage, so to say, because whatever this needed to happen could have happened completely behind closed doors. Once it's all out there, you can always say, I'm going to do it behind closed doors. You need not have put out a statement saying, I had told him not to resign. When he clearly indicated he had already resigned and uh, then you told him not to resign and he will probably fight it back in any way he knows. And I'm not taking anybody's side here. Virat Kohli may have just misunderstood what was communicated in hints. Or he may be actually never have been told. We don't know this. He'll never come out. The other topic is whether Virat Kohli asked to be arrested from the limited O series in South Africa as a knee-jerk reaction to certain other things that happened in the meantime. Or whether, again, he never asked this.
0: Yeah, only he can say that, right? Who, who can confirm that? It is either Virat Kohli or... BCCI management so we don't know that right and now he's claiming virat Kohli is, of course publicly claimed that he never asked for a rest so he wanted to be part of the indian odi side, come what may and if that were to be true then who is spreading all these rumors you know we saw some tweets by uh, you know one of my favorite cricketers growing up the flick master mm-hmm. right mohammad azruddin i think he sent out a tweet, uh, tweet questioning virat kohli's motivation and if there was an ulterior motive behind, you know, him not uh, willing to participate in the ODI series, uh, which was obviously quashed by Kohli. I don't know, at somebody's insistence, I don't know what happened behind the closed doors there. But yeah, th- this does not help the cause, right? So, somebody as famous as Azu sending out a tweet <laughs> and that's going to polarize people even more.
1: You mean a knee jerk reaction to a hamstring injury or a knee jerk reaction to a captaincy yeah. appointment? Look,
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: At that level, such accomplished creators probably can play without the ego where either you are fit to play and therefore you will play because you can still serve the team as one of its best batsmen, especially when the other good batsman who probably was the captain into the series is already lost because of an injury. Right? So, again, all of this could have been completely done in a nicer way behind the scenes where even if you ask to be rested, you don't talk about it beforehand. And then, when, if and when actually the captain of the series becomes unavailable, you tell your other best batsman, why don't you simply play? You're a senior statesman and one of the best chasers in the world, right? You can still play. All of this can be done in a much more mature way. I don't know why yeah. all of this is being washed in public. You're absolutely right, and it doesn't give a good, good opinion about what we thought was a very mature setup. Yeah, I thought we had moved past this minor bickering and. Uh, Indian cricket was at the dawn of something much more mature and much more, much more uh, poignant. Now I wonder if we are still falling back, no matter what our achievements on the field might be.
0: Yeah, I think to dish out some more opinions. I when we started this podcast, I think December 2018. Congratulations, it's almost three years. By the way,
1: nicely done. Okay. Uh,
0: back then, uh, I think in 2019, I must have said that Kohli should not be the captain of RCB. So I even started with that. And further to that, I had even said Kohli should not be part of the white ball setup as a captain. I mean, as a batsman, yes. He should probably only uh, you know, captain the test squad because the test squad was doing quite well. And I had this opinion two years ago. right? So, And if you look at his records in ICC tournaments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, namely the World Cups and the Champions Trophy, he's, he's, not, an, he's not won anything. And if you always want to look back on records and then say how India has done, so Kohli has basically not won anything, right? I mean, of IC, I mean ICC trophies. Right? That's what I mean. Not the Asia Cup or some bilateral series, whatever. No, right? that they don't mean anything. So there was good reason, I think, for him to be sacked as a captain. They could have done it a bit in a bit more, <laughs> yeah, gentlemanly way. But, uh, it was not to be. So I really hope that nothing bad happens to Indian cricket, as you just, as you just said, out of this. Uh, and he continues to be part of a winning team and he plays those innings like you know he played against sri lanka for example in uh, in that famous by bi- a trilateral series in australia 2008 2009 when he smashed malinga all over the park he scored a very quick century remember that match right so well, i hope virat kohli comes back to playing that kind of cricket and then stops you know all this uh, talk it doesn't behoove him
1: well let's see how it goes really i hope you know At the end of the day, Kohli and to a very large extent, Ganguly too, when he was on the field, were people who actually looked for a fight that made them better, their performances that much better. So let's see if this really fuels both of them to do really well in their chosen fields, one in the boardroom, the other on the field. I really hope, you know, they're able to uh, push themselves to a higher uh, output, which they're able to normally when they're in a fight.
0: And I hope, and I hope, by the way, that Rahul Dravid doesn't get caught up in all this web. Because he was one of the victims, I mean, I, I can claim him to be a victim, mm. but that's what has was, have, uh, that's what happened uh, way back during that Greg Chapel episode. When Saurav Ganguly was sacked as a captain, he was not even part of the playing 11 and then he made his comeback. And then after the 2007 World Cup, Rahul Dravid resigned. So, I hope Rahul Dravid's tenure is untarnished and he gets to lay out his agenda and make sure that you know, people play good cricket under him and India win matches.
1: Well, I really hope, as you say, he continues with this uh, pattern and this uh, this uh, sort of very mature setup he brings with him and sets it up so that India can concentrate more on delivering results on the field. And he's able to take care of all of these other backroom talk. If you were to move on, take a quick look at uh, some of the other news stories. So the SJN findings in South Africa have been published. It's a huge report, 237 pages. I've only caught the highlights as, uh, you know, put out on certain creating sites. So it looks like, you know, all these stories, he said, she said, he said, they said, all this has come out. So some of the former um, captains, some of the former administrators are under spotlight. People like Graham Smith, who's a bit of both. During his tenure, both as a captain and then even as an administrator. People like Boucher, ABD Villiers might, you know, might come under scrutiny as well. and. Um, There have been open uh, accusations against them in their role, right? Therefore, let's see uh, what this really means for South African cricket. And South African cricket can actually, if possible, forgive and move on rather than victimize and then lead another generation of uh, people remaining angry and so on, right? Always, whenever there is a bit of grievances on both sides, the side that forgives first starts the healing. If you tend to just hurt each other, you will continue to hurt each other until somebody actually takes the step of forgiving. So the sooner that happens, the sooner this episode can be put in the past of a great cricketing nation like South Africa and both sides and all sides concerned can move on. Let me put it like this. So New Zealand have uh, come up with a good way to compensate for uh, how they sort of unceremoniously decided to end the tour of Pakistan the previous time they were there. So they'll be visiting uh, Pakistan twice in the 2022 and 2023 season where one of the times they'll be visiting is to just make up for all the matches that were cancelled. So we really hope, you know, this time the tour goes through and we get to watch some really spicy cricket. New Zealand being one of the best all-round teams currently and Pakistan being really strong at home and home favourites as always. So it's going to be some very good uh, cricket for all of us fans. Sandeep Lamichane, the Nepal leg spinner, prodigy, must be said, is going to now be the next Nepal captain. He'll take over from the long-standing uh, captain Malla, Gyanendra Malla. So we wish Lamichane all the best for his upcoming tenure. In another rather sad news, Mzansi Super League, the South African uh, T20 League, which is usually held in their summer, is going to be cancelled for 2021, we hear, because of the COVID uh, wave that's currently sweeping the country. So it, it doesn't come across as nice, uh, but unfortunately, can't be avoided. Similarly, some uh, some of the coaching staff in Bangladesh team that's currently in uh, New Zealand preparing for a series there have been tested positive And Herat, for example, the spin coach, is tested positive. Therefore, it might actually have a detrimental effect to their preparations because they are now all under quarantine. So we really hope preparation can still go through as well as possible in Bangladesh, compete and you know get good results there. Those are all the topics we wanted to discuss in this episode. So we wish uh, all our listeners keep coming back and they are always able to communicate with us. You know the mail ID. It's armchair.cricket at gmail.com or via Twitter at armchair.crickpod. So do get in touch with us if you have any thoughts. Shortly we'll be putting out a survey asking whether my team or Giri's team is the one you like. On Twitter, or give your opinion in that survey. I think an uh, interesting period uh, of cricket coming uh, coming up, Gary, to keep us warm during those winter months.
0: Yeah, and the imminent holiday season, which is also <laughs> coming closer and closer, right? So, and I'm really looking forward to two boxing day test matches, one in MCG and the other one in Centurion. So, I hope at least in South Africa, it's it's a good timing for us, right? So, it's it's during our daytime, so we don't have to wake up during unearthly hours which is uh, quite nice. So, looking forward to a lot of Test Cricket and uh, hoping to talk about it in the future as well.
1: Indeed. Thanks a lot. And uh, we wish all our listeners a very good day wherever they are. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me.
0: And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.